man, that's a lot of, that's a lot of costs that we just sunk into something that we're not going to see anything from. And not for the fact of this sucks that we've lost all this money, but for the fact of we can't do this again. Like we, we can't afford to do this again. And we still have this desire, so what's next? Welcome everyone to Bringing Kids Home, a TBHC Foster Care and Adoption production. I'm Kristen, TBHC's Outreach and Communications Admin. We are excited you are joining us today to hear stories of adoption and how any one of us, including you, can make a difference in a child's life. Today's podcast is sponsored by Dance Works of Waxahachie. They are transforming lives by using the gift of dance to bring light to the world. Find out more about Dance Works at danceworkswax.net. We are grateful to Dance Works for supporting today's stories. Now stick around and hear how stories of faith and family help bring kids home. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Curry, president of TBHC Foster Care and Adoption. I'm so glad you're with us. My guest today is Cody Jenkins. Cody spent most of his informative years in Blooming Grove, Texas. His parents still call this little town home. His current community is Ellis County, and he serves on staff at First Red Oak as the spiritual formations pastor. Using his words, Cody describes his family as, we're pretty awesome. He and his wife, Bristy, were married May 1st, 2010, and have four children, Aiken, Ainsley, Blakely, and Canaan. Cody is passionate about Jesus, but he also is passionate about Aggie football. And when you're around him watching a game, you may think he has lost his mind. Cody's story is God shaping and a glimpse of his grace and sovereignty through the journey. He joins me today to encourage someone else through his family story of adoption. Cody, thank you so much for joining me today. Happy to be here. Hey man, uh, tell me about your um, obsession, your passion, whatever word you want to use uh, for Aggies football. Well, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm the second child in my family, and uh, my older sister went to school there. She's the first in uh, our family to do that, and uh, my mom went to Baylor, my dad went to Tarleton State. So that was uh, a, a new adventure for, for our family, but I still remember going her first Saturday there. Um, for an Aggie football game, and it was mesmerizing and loud and crazy and fun. And uh, don't remember the outcome of the game. Just remember thinking this place is awesome. Want to be here? Uh, and so that's kind of when I decided I wanted to to go to school there as well. And uh, I think in the the four and a half years that I was there, the five football seasons, I may have missed one home football game. And uh, it was a loss to a school we should have beaten. So I was okay with missing that one. And uh, it's really, you know, as I think back on it, uh, I'm happy that that has happened and that I've become um, so passionate and I followed it. My family knows, uh, you know, kind of to stay out of the way sometimes. And, uh, but it's, it's really unhealthy as well. I've, I realize that and I, 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 it doesn't help me change things. It's just what it is, but uh, Bristy will, if she goes to bed before a game is over, she makes sure she checks the score when she wakes up to know what kind of Cody she's waking up to the next morning. And, um, and yeah, so we, we have some fun with that. And uh, this season's going a little rough, so we just kind of let go. And, and we're still hoping for good things, but not necessarily expecting them. Wow, that's, a, that's quite a commitment. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, it's, it, I, it, I'm, you know, probably 
leading my kids down a dark path that I shouldn't be. And so we can pray about that some other time. Man, uh, really appreciate you being on with me today. How about you tell us your bringing kids home story? All right, yeah. Well, uh, it, for, for us, it's really, uh, when I reflect on it, it's funny because there are little bits and pieces where we can kind of see um, God shaping the story before we were even married. And, um, and it's, it's fun, fun to see that. Bursi and I uh, didn't date for, for a whole long, uh, a long time and all our dating and engagement was, was uh, 13 months total, but somewhere in there uh, in the dating phase, I remember being at a conference and <clears throat> It was in Atlanta, Georgia, and Mac Powell came out and was talking about, I think it was actually a, a plug for, for Compassion International, um, but uh, he, he also went into his ability to where they, they as a family had adopted recently, and uh, just listening to the story, listening to, to how God used that in their life um, and in the life of, of their new, newest family member. Uh, it was really cool. And so that was nothing that I really had ever thought about. Um, and I just remember like sending Bursty a text and, and saying, Hey, you know, one day I think I might would be interested in this. It just sparked, sparked a curiosity in me, sparked, um, an interest that eventually grew into kind of a passion. And she, her reply was just like, okay, me too. And at that point in time, we had never even talked about marriage like we we were it was just really kind of jumping a few steps ahead there um and it, but it it was just kind of for me that was almost the launching point into a more purposeful intentional track towards adoption and um and even looking further back beyond that not even thinking about it because it was just it was normal for us um you know growing up I've got two cousins that were birthed by uh, a different father than my uncle and he adopted them. And I legitimately, until I was an adult, never knew that because they were just, they were just my cousins and everyone in our family, um, you know, it was, there was nothing outside of their, their, their family. And, um, and so having seen that modeled well to where we love regardless of where you come from, who your mom is, who your dad is, whether we are it biologically or not, um, we're still family. And so that was a, that was a really cool thing to kind of just see and look back on and, and, um, and, and get to see how that probably subconsciously shaped um, some of my, my thoughts and feelings towards it as well. Uh, but anyways, going back, um, so Brucey and I ended up, we did get married uh, as, as you said, and, um, we've been married now for a little while and I'm not great with math anymore. So I'm not going to think through that, but, um, we knew we wanted to have, you know, three or four kids from the get go. And we knew we wanted to adopt. And so we were like, well, let's just get going and we'll figure out how adoption fits into the mix, um, later on down the road. And, uh, we were blessed to have, uh, two kids really quickly. One, um, slightly unexpected. The second one was slightly unexpected, um, but uh, it, it worked out and we were good to go, had fun with it. And so we, we thought, you know, our plan 
let's have our third. At this point, we've got our, our plan. Let's have our third, and then we're going to go go the adoption route. And um, and so with both Aiken and Ainsley, man, we we didn't have any trouble getting pregnant. It was like the thought of it, and we were pregnant. You know, a few weeks later. So um, that wasn't the case with Blakely. And in that process, it was almost um, a year of trying, uh, just a few days away from a year of trying, where we started thinking through like, okay, well, maybe this is God's way of showing us that it's time now. Maybe our plan isn't the best plan. And uh, so let's, let's start looking into it. And at the time we were in Houston, uh, Cypress, Texas to be exact. And, uh, and so we, we had several families um, around us that had adopted and uh, so we, we had great resources and people that we trusted. So we started digging in and, and trying to figure out some things. And, um, and literally, Brissy, I think, took a pregnancy test on her birthday and uh, was like, eh, just something feels off. Let's try it. And so that Sunday at church, she was like, hey, just so you know, we're pregnant. And I was like, okay. So we, we immediately pressed pause on all the research and things that we were doing uh, as it pertained to adoption and, uh, and said, all right, well, we'll, we'll figure out that stuff a little bit later. And um, so fast forward a few years and we have moved from, from Cyprus where we had had all these people that had adopted around us in our circle of friends and at church. And um, we're in Atlanta, Georgia, where we don't know as many people. Um, we're not around family and uh, we've had Blakely and she, um, she was probably the most challenging baby that we had. And probably some of that was just the fact that we weren't, you know, 40 minutes away from Bristol's parents whenever we had a newborn. Um, but uh, we get down the road and we think it, it's time, you know, we're ready. Uh, we, we know we're done with, with biological children, but we want to have more. So let's, let's start the process. And um, and it's really funny God's timing too of just some people coming into Bristy's lives through life through Mops, uh, who had adopted two girls um, and sisters, and and who she went with and how that process went about. And so we started kind of getting some research, and we had some people that had some input and experienced themselves. Um, and so that was that was awesome. And I still remember uh, as great as that was. Man, the process was was just. I don't know what if I, I don't think I knew what to expect, um, honestly. And um, but even from the get go of just looking through profiles and prospective mothers and where they are and stages of life and and circumstances of life, uh, man, it became real uh, and it, it very quickly. And in a saddening and, and, and hard kind of way, uh, just to, to hear thankful that so many mothers were willing to go the route of adoption, knowing that they weren't going to provide what was needed um, or able. And so uh, it, that was awesome to see, but also heartbreaking to see at the same time. And, and like I said, I don't think I was mentally prepared, emotionally prepared for what that would look like and uh and so we we went and we uh, i still remember the first we probably looked through and saw so many different profiles and we we wanted a, a son 
And uh, Aiken probably was the influence there. He was tired of his sisters and threatened to run away if we adopted. This is our choice, right? If we go away from. So it was, uh, it was quite humorous. It, and so we, we saw probably the first 30 profiles we saw were for baby girls. And it was, uh, it, it was one of those of after a while, we just started thinking, well, maybe this is God saying, no, you're, you're supposed to have another girl. And maybe there's a boy down the road. Who knows? And, uh, and so we, fir- we finally get one, uh, a boy. And I think we both like wanted to just jump at the, at the first profile of a boy. And uh, we stopped and we kind of prayed through it and just tried to make sure we knew what we were doing and that it wasn't just a, a reaction um, to the first thing that we quote unquote wanted and um, which sounds so horrible to say, right? Uh, and, and, um, and so I don't think we actually presented on that one. We just felt like this was, you know, we weren't at peace with it. And, uh, and so eventually we got to a point of where we had presented and, and uh, didn't get matched. And then, um, you know, we presented a second time and, and uh, the mom just wasn't quite ready emotionally to, to make a choice at all. And we totally understood that. And so then that starts to, um, you know, affect the mentality of, well, maybe we need to just present for every child we see so that we have a chance at getting a child. And, um, and so, but I think it was a great thing. We were able to um, present and we got matched with uh, a, a mom and um, it was it was cool because she had had uh, a, a little girl that was around Blakely's age uh, that had been adopted out and so she just in her mind she 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 loved the fact that he would have a sister much like his biological sister um, around the age and play buddy and all that sort of stuff and so it was really cool uh, just to kind of get to know her through that process and um and so yeah we 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 were ecstatic we loved it we had several zoom calls with her um we were in different states getting to know her uh leading up to it and um and so it was great and we we got to go down and, and be with her in the hospital uh whenever it was time and bristy was actually in the or for the for the procedure which was a bizarre thing for her that's um she was just she just couldn't understand um, she's so used to being on the other side of that, and uh, and so it was it was funny and and fun to watch her just kind of walk through a little confused, but uh, we had a great time getting to know her and uh, and loving on her and and hopefully you know that was a, an opportunity for us and hopefully we we took it to just um, to pour into her and show her God's love and it's not we're not just here for you know, your son, we're here for you too. And, um, and so we were, we were in the hospital. Uh, we were her main support system for the, the two, three days that we were there and she was in there and stuff. And so it was a, it was a wild ride there and um, love, lovely lady. Um, and she, you know, planned all along to, to, to adopt. And she had had two others that had been adopted. And so, um, she, she kind of knew the route, but I think there was a side of her that, it, you know, with every mom, that's going to be tough. There's an emotional bond there. And so when we, I still remember the day we were supposed to come and, and, uh, and, and pick him up and take him home and we were leaving the hospital. It was, it was discharge day for her. And, uh, we got up there around lunchtime 
and we were just told, hey, um, you know, she's not in a place to sign right now. So y'all go ahead and head out and we'll let you know whenever it, it comes time and, you know, just go, go spend some time together and get ready and this sort of thing. She's, she's still going to do it. She's still staying all this. And, and, uh, and so that was another moment where it was just like, oh, there's another reality here and you hear about it and you know about it, but until it becomes a reality to you, it, it's not, it's not quite there. And so we went back to our Airbnb and um, prayed and cried and did all sorts of stuff um, there. And then finally, we, we just said, you know, let's get out. We got to go for a walk and spend some time and clear our heads and continue to pray through that. And, um, and, and I think, I mean, there was a moment in my mind where I, I, I was like, well, it's not happening. You know, like it's it, it, hours passed by and, um, you know, it became dinner time, and we're not even hungry because we're so just distraught and still don't know anything. And uh, and it was tough. It was really tough. But I I, I believe um, wholeheartedly that there was that was God still shaping us and moving us to this desire and to this love for this little boy that we had gotten to know. Um, over the course of these few days in the hospital, we've gotten to hold and, and feed and do these things, but there was still, it, that was almost like a dream, you know, and then reality comes crashing down of this might not happen, that makes you want it so much more, makes that, um, that I don't want to say love, but I mean, almost love and affection just grow immensely um exponentially and so it was it was that moment for me that I was like okay you know um I'm I'm very um my pain my I don't know how to say this I like to say I'm emotionally stable because I don't get super emotional my sisters tell me I'm unstable because I'm not super emotional at all I don't show emotion as is what they would like to say and um and so for me like I still remember with with Aiken holding him for the first time in the hospital and being like, this is, this is different. This isn't like this melting gooey moment for me. This is just like, I don't know what to do. This is very different. And I'm not sure ex exactly what I'm supposed to do or how I'm supposed to feel. And, um, and so for me, I think that I needed that moment of potentially losing him to be able to, really appreciate exactly what God was doing in our lives and in our family. And um, so finally, nine o'clock that night comes and we get a phone call and they say, hey, um, you know, she's signed. She's getting discharged. Come up here in 30 minutes and, and come get come get Canaan. And um, man, that was a lot of tears after that phone call too. Different kind of tears, thankfully. Uh, but it was it was a crazy day, a long day a day that I, I don't wish on anyone um, on either side of that. But in the end, I think that it created this, this bond for us that wouldn't have been there as quickly or as easily had that not happened. And I think that was a God thing for sure. Um, and so, yeah, so we, 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 we brought him home and we were loving life 
with, uh, we couldn't leave for about a week and go home, take them home for about a week. So we stayed there and reminiscing on how easy one child was. Um, and, uh, and then uh, we got to go home and reality set in and, and, and you think it's, it's <clears throat> we finally get to bring them home and it's so great and it can't get any better. And then you get home and Aiken and Ainsley and Blakely are just melting and just wanting to hold him and wanting to love on him. And, uh, and it gets better, you know, it just, it got, it got better. And it continues to do that every single day. Um, it, it's so funny. He, uh, Bristy and, and Blakely and Kanan were just in Oklahoma with uh, her mom and, and helping her grandmothers. Uh, and, and she was sleeping in the same room with Kanan. And, um, and, and she said, he, he would cry out at night sometimes. And he said, one night he cried out just saying, no, April, no, that's, that's my, my mother-in-law's dog. Get off of me, April. And uh, she, she said, and so I go and I check on him and his pillows on top of him. And I guess he just thinks that April's, you know, smothering him. Uh, and then there's another night where he just started talking about, I can't remember what he, what she said he said, but he's just talking in his sleep. And I talk in my sleep and uh, my sister's talking in their sleep. And so I was like, man, he's, he's a Jenkins. So it's just, it's, and there's so many similarities between he and Ainsley when they, she was that age. And it, it just, it gets more and more fun. And we see more and more of ourselves in him somehow, you know, and, uh, and it's just, it, it, it's one of those things that he was made for us and God put us all together and we're so thankful for it. And uh, it would have, you know, would have been easier, uh, slightly different um, that Sunday afternoon. But at the end of the day, that's all gravy because we're here and we've got him and he's, he's ours and, and he knows it. Hi, I'm Laurie Henthorne, Donor Engagement Manager at TBHC Foster Care and Adoption. Did you know that there are over 6,000 children waiting for adoption in Texas today? And did you know that there are only about a thousand willing foster adoptive homes licensed and available to them? These children are coming from hard places and are needing a place to heal. We at TBHC strive to provide homes where they'll feel safe and loved and where they can begin their healing process. What if you could play a part in changing these statistics? TBHC depends on people like you to help change the course of these children's lives. You could open your heart and home to them, or you could come alongside them and help provide for the parents' training or for specialized therapy for a child through your financial support. We invite you to visit our website, tbhc.org, to find out more about us, hear inspiring stories and ways to pray for TBHC families, and to find out how you can be a part of bringing kids home. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, and, you know, I love to say that we didn't know that they were a missing part of our family until they joined the family, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd love to kind of go back and dig into a couple of moments if you're up for that. Sure. You know, your research that you talked about and then... If someone's wanting to research a private adoption like what you just described, where would you suggest they start? Honestly, I think the biggest thing for us was, was just personal relationships of, of folks that had done it, um, had been there. And, uh, and so knowing what they experienced, 
um, where they where they had researched res resources that they, they had found and seen um, and whether you're going through agencies or consultants or you know what have you um, there's yeah there's so many different options out there and so just having somebody that you you know and you trust that says here's where I've been here's what we did here's how we who we used whether you use them or not knowing and having someone that can trust and that was probably the biggest resource for us and uh, and we did we ended up using a consultant company um, which I think was huge uh, for us in the sense that we were able to finalize home study and we had Canaan within I mean within a year uh, within about nine months is probably what it was uh, so uh, another kind of crazy thing that we had nine months to prepare for them and even though we wasn't growing for nine months inside of Bristol, we still had that nine month period. And, and um, that's the hardest part, I think, with most private adoptions is the waiting game and the having to renew everything and do everything and lose hope every time you have to do something like that. Um, and so for us, it was, we found a Christian consulting company that we trusted, that we uh, got to know their beliefs. We got to know what they stood for and, and, um, we had a personal connection with them through through someone else we knew uh, that that helped out in that process for sure. What was the biggest shock for you going through this process? What was the assumption that was pretty much shattered when you got into the adoption process? I'm not real sure. I don't know that I had a whole lot of assumptions. More of it might have been more ignorance than anything on my my part, <clears throat> and. Um, but, but I do, I think that, uh, again, I think ignorance is probably the right word for me, me personally, just thinking that, all right, this is just, it's just going to happen and we're going to go through. And, and for me, the, the most eye-opening thing was just, again, looking through profiles, hearing profile, not even that, but like whether, whether the child was going to have special needs or whether it was background of mothers and all of these things, there's so many different elements and, and the saddest part, the hardest part is not just saying, all right, give us, give them all to us, you know, give them all. We, we want every single one of them. That's not financially possible for us, but who cares? Just do it. Um, because your heart breaks and, uh, and, and the, the manner in which that, that happens, it's just, uh, that's, that was the biggest eye opening thing for me is, I've lived a pretty sheltered life and <clears throat> a pretty easy life, uh, all things considered. And to just, it, you, you know that stuff is out there, you know things that are different from you background wise is there, but whenever you see it <clears throat> once a year on a mission trip or whatever you, you got going on, it, it, it doesn't click until it's a part of who you are. And so now, and, and even now for us, um, you know, keeping up with, with Canaan's birth mother and she, the, the struggles that she still has uh, relationally and financially and job-wise and stuff. And that's a reality. And it's a part of our lives now too, because we want her to, to have a relationship with him and we want her to, to have that opportunity. And so um, it's not, not clean and not pretty and not neat, but um but I think that's that's probably the most eye-opening thing for me was just this is out there and you can't ignore it anymore because it's a part of it's part of your life and you're part of your family now. 
Yeah, just the realization that that you don't fit into that mold anymore. Uh, yeah. Your family is changed and different, and it's frankly all, all of our families have been broken. But when you you bring in uh, fa- new family members into the mix, and it's just like, wow, okay, this this identif- identity of brokenness uh, yeah. is more evident, if you will. Right. Yeah. All right, well. I really want to ask this carefully because I don't want to get into y'all's y'all's personal conversations, but for someone who is scared and thinking this moment, they might have a moment like yours in this adoption process. Is there something about your conversation that you and Bristy had the night you were waiting that really just spoke to y'all? Um, the thing that I remember most is, I mean, and it was, that that day was crazy. When, uh, again, we went home and we cried. And I, before we ever got out of the car, I think we were just like, and again, the the unemotional, um, analytical side of me almost immediately goes to, man, that's a lot of that's a lot of cost that we just sunk into something that we're not going to see anything from. And not for the fact of this sucks that we lost all this money, but for the fact of we can't do this again. Like we, we can't afford to do this again and we still have this desire. So what's next? And, um, and, and so I probably wasn't good cause that's where my mind was. And Bristy's heart is just hurting cause she's got this motherly instinct and bond already from, from having held him and fed him and all of these things. And, um, and so at some point we just kind of turned and it, it turned into prayer, which turned into worship. And uh, I'm, I can't sing. You don't want to hear me sing, but I love worship music. I mean, that's, that's what I predominantly listen to. And I still remember that, um, that afternoon seeing that Hillsong had come out with a new, a new song that had been released at their conference. And, um, <clears throat> and it was, uh, I, I went and listened to it and, uh, there's, there's a line in there that just talks about how God is good and good God. Um, and he's, he's over his people and it, it doesn't matter what walk of life you're in paraphrasing obviously here. Um, or, you know, what background you have or where you are currently, like he's, he's still the God of his people and he's still in control and he still cares. And, um, and for me, that was, I, I mean, I heard that <clears throat> I was kind of in the bedroom on the computer, just trying to, to kind of clear my mind. Bristy was in the living room <clears throat> reading or trying to get her mind off of something. And, um, and so I stopped her and said, Hey, listen to this. And we listened to that two or three times on repeat and stuff. And, uh, which then led us to kind of let's just get out and go for a walk and think through those words and continue praying and and so that's really what it was and um for us was just talking to god um more so than talking to one another because uh at the end of the day i think when we were talking to one another it would just get more negative and more defeatist um but there was a hope when you bring god into it which there should always be um, and so I think that was the biggest thing for us was more, let's, let's shift our focus from what was us to God somehow got a plan through all of this and, um, thankful that the plan came the way it did. 
and, and that was probably the biggest thing for us was just kind of turning to him and, and whether that was through singing to him, whether that was through praying to him, um, but doing kind of being right there together and, and doing that together was a, it was a huge thing. That sounds like it. That's, that's amazing. When you face something like this, waiting is the whole game, if you will. Being the Aggie fan you are, waiting doesn't fit into your profile, I bet. When you're talking about these nine months and the evidence around you of your wife, when she's pregnant, kicking starts, there's changes that are happening to her physically. You have things for anticipation. Mm-hmm. But when you're going through the adoption route, it's paperwork demonstrates the anticipation. Uh, you know, and submissions and all that. Waiting, what would be your advice to wait well? I think at the end of the day, you got to just remember, why are, you, why are you doing this? You know, what, what's the why behind it? And, um, and when you can think through that and you clearly know that going into it. So that, I guess that we should probably take a step back and, and say, have a clear conviction and understanding of why you want to adopt whatever route that is because that's what you're going to need to lean on you're going to need to remember that and for us it was i mean it was biblically rooted and um this is we we are we are adopted as as sons and heirs um through christ and that's a beautiful picture and i think that god wants us to be able to, to to model that um, not that, that we are him, not that we should think we are him or get a God complex through this process, but it's a beautiful picture that we can easily say and point to and, and say, look at this, you know, like we wanted you. And as much as we wanted you, Canaan, God wants you even more, you know, and God wants you, Aiken and Ainsley and Blakely, even more than the mom and dad want all of you. And, um, and so I think it's just knowing, you know, knowing that and leaning on that uh, and remembering that through it all is, is probably the biggest, biggest pillar, I think, for, for was for us anyway. Oh, that's awesome. Adoption is not a once and done thing. It is ongoing, if you will. You give birth to children, you adopt children, they're yours, and it's a lifelong commitment. Uh, what's that lifelong commitment looking like in your household? A lot of crazy, a lot of crazy Four kids under the age of 10. But, um, you know, it, it, it's parenthood, you know, regardless of how, how you became the parent, it's still parenthood. And so for us, uh, it, it, not much has changed other than the gap has gotten wider between oldest and youngest and um, oldest might get annoyed with youngest a little bit more because we're in, you know, the middle of terrible twos and all of those things right now. And, uh, but it, it's one of those things of, I can't, I don't know, like I can't imagine what our lives would, what our family would would be be like if we didn't have Canaan, if he wasn't a part of it. Um, Same with the other three, the the oldest three, you know, it's just, it's what it is. And so um, it is crazy at times. He, uh, he is hilarious. He cracks us up. He finds something that he loves and he wants us to, to be a part of it with him over and over and over and over and over. And it's just, you know, you, you feel bad saying no, but it's after the hundredth time, you're kind of tired of it. Um, not t- you're, you're very tired of it. Um, and, uh, and so, but that's, 
that that's who he is and he he loves well and, and big and uh it's it's so funny you know when i get to I, I love that I still have two in that like little kid range. I still call Blakely a little kid because she's tiny um, uh, and petite, but she's still very innocent and, uh, and they both have that innocence and excitement about them. And so I, my favorite time is the hardest time is going to work. Um, like this morning when Kanan just says, I go with you, I go with you over and over again and doesn't understand why I can't. And Blakely's sitting out in the garage, just crying as I back out. Um, you know, that's the hardest part, but it, it's, it's pretty great when you get home and the door shuts behind you and you just hear daddy, daddy, and little feet running to you and you get tackled by them. And so uh, it's, it's crazy, but it's fun. It's exhausting, but it's fun. Uh, and, and we couldn't imagine anything else. The thing about telling a story like this is adoption is very much part of your history. I think probably what everyone forgets is adoption is something we need to celebrate, we need to talk about, but it's also something that we can set aside and, and say there's no difference in our kids, you know? And I, I love that, that beautiful picture that your family represents is speak into kind of the complexity of that for a second. I don't want to overly emphasize our adoption, but I, I want to celebrate it at the same time because I don't want my kids to feel any different from each other. Right. I think that's the, I think the coolest part is it's obvious, right? You know, Canaan is, his skin tone's a little darker than ours. And, uh, and so you, you can't hide that if you wanted to, um, not that we would want to, but that makes it easier for us because then it's a, uh, uh, you know, this is who we are and this is what's happened. But I do, I love the fact that I think it's the most pure when you watch the kids interact with one another. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, Aiken is going to be driven crazy by Kanan just as much he, as he is by Blakely. It doesn't matter what, you know, it's, and it's, it's just, and, and Kanan and Aiken loves both of them the same and Ainsley. And so it's, it, that to me is the coolest thing of, of being able to just see like it's stripped down, it's pure right there. Um, as much as <clears throat> the family is misrepresented in our culture today, as much as race is talked about and it's so easy as an adult to just get in your own mind and think, well, is this wrong? Is this wrong? Am I representing something differently than I should be? Or, or how do I represent this well? And so being able to look at them and just see the purity of that is really cool. Um, not saying my kids are pure or innocent by any means. They are sinners for sure. But, um, but it's just, there's just a level there. And that I think is encouraging to us to where we can easily say, like, yeah, but he's ours, you know, and, and we, we, we love him and he fits and it doesn't matter that he looks a little bit different than us because you start hanging out with him and you're going to realize he acts a lot like us. And, uh, and, and he's, you, if he gets lost in a store or something, he's going to be shout, shouting for mom or dad. And he's going to be, when he gets hurt, he's crying for mostly mom, but sometimes dad. Um, and, and it doesn't matter, you know, it, it doesn't matter. And the beauty of it is, is, is that we have each other and we can love them and we do uh, just the same. And because of that, he doesn't know any different. 
And I think that's the coolest part is whenever they don't know that there's anything different. And he's, he, he, he knows something's different in the sense of looks. He, he's two, but he knows that. And Brucey's got a cousin who has a daughter who's, who's biracial. And it, it's the funniest thing. Anytime we're together, thinks we're going to be with them for Thanksgiving this year. And, uh, and he just looks at her and he's just kind of like, you know, just, just stares. Like there's, there's something about you that's like me. And, uh, and, and it, you know, he, so he sees it, he knows that there's something there, but he doesn't, he doesn't know anything outside of like, well, that's just what it is. And let's go about it. Cause this is normal for us. And, uh, and I think that's the coolest thing is it's, it's just, it's normal for us. And it, and it will be for, for forever. And that's awesome. Well, let me ask my, my closer question here. What is one thing you'd like everyone to know about adoption? I'd just say it's worth it. Yeah, I, I can, I guess I can try and go a little bit further, but I, I think it's worth it. Whether, again, so many undertones politically, culturally, but at the end of the day, like we, we need to be willing and ready, uh, I believe, as Christians to, to do that. And, um, and having seen it and experienced it, we know it's worth it's it's worth it, and we we wouldn't change anything. And we're you know we've had conversations of what's what's next. Is there an is, is there another kid? Is that um, you know foster care for us? Is is that what, what does that look like? And we don't know the answer to that yet, but we know that it's worth it so much that we're we're willing and wanting to be a part of that in the future as well. Um, and and so. Yeah, that's, that's it. It's worth it. it. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Hey, it's an honor having you on today. Thank you so much for being a part. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to get in touch with today's guest or any of our previous guests, you can contact us through our email, podcast at tvhc.org. That's podcast at tvhc.org. Leave us a comment, recommend a guest to our show, and give us a five-star review wherever you listen. And don't forget to subscribe. For more information, check out our website, tbhc.org, and discover how you can participate in bringing kids home.